Welcome. It's good to have you here with us again this week uh, for our third installment of Pittman Park Online. Uh, as we join together in this place, I must share with you that, that uh, our hearts long to actually be together again, and I imagine that you are thinking the same thing. Uh, we wish to be here on this campus and sitting by each other in worship, but um, as a an email that we received this week from our conference office stated, uh, the church can be the church anytime and in any place. And we are grateful to know that that is the case with Pittman Park. Um, in the last two weeks, we have noticed that our numbers have uh, greatly increased in terms of the, the ones that are joining us for worship. And uh, so if you are new, we are glad that you are part of this worshiping community today. Uh, we have several announcements that we wanted to bring to your attention, and, and one of that, those announcements has to do with small groups. Jay, could you talk to us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah. You know, the Bible says that we should not forsake the gathering together of the brethren, and, and, and I know you're here to join us online, but that's a one-way communication. We really would love for you to join us in some of our small groups uh, via Zoom. Uh, we're using Zoom for uh, for. Sunday school classes, we're using Zoom for Wednesday night activities, uh, we're using Zoom for study groups and prayer groups. If you're interested in having some online fellowship, uh, uh, some communication where you can communicate with other people and they can communicate with you, if you would just call the church office, the telephone number is 912-681-3213. Uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. I know that this is a, a strange time in our life, but this is a great tool that we have to to be able to meet together. Jay, I want to also mention uh, that our children and youth ministry is uh, very much uh, in the process of, of discovering how they can stay connected uh, with the children and youth in our church. Uh, we want to speak a word of thanks to Macy LeFevre, who is sending out weekly um, some interactions that families can have with the children. And I want to say just a word of thanks to Derek Harrison, who is the director of our youth ministries. Uh, he is doing some innovative things on Sunday evenings online with our youth and as well in small groups on Wednesday evenings. And so uh, thanks to both uh, Macy and Derek for their assistance with that. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, of course, we are approaching Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, and it is hard for us not to think about being together for either of those occasions, but we did receive uh, a notice from our bishop in the last few days that asked us to choose alternate methods, alternate plans of getting together rather than being together um, in our church buildings. And so we will continue to meet online. Uh, we do plan special things to occur for Palm Sunday and Easter, and we're going to need your help uh, with some of these plans. And so be looking for an email, and uh, we'll let you know how you can plug in and be a part of those two special services. Jay, do you want to share with us a little bit um, in terms of, of where people may be in need? One of the dangers of this quarantine is that we would become isolated. Now, I know that a lot of you are already connected to each other via Facebook or via telephone, but I know that there's some of you that aren't. And we would love for the church office to be a hub for you. If you need help, if you want to be connected with someone or if you want somebody to call and check on you, please call the church office. 
if you're a person that you are connected, but you want to help make sure others are connected, it would be an awesome way for you to, uh, to participate in that by calling the church office and letting us know. In fact, that's been going on already. We've had a church list of people that, that wanted people to call and check on them, and, and there have been people that have been faithful to do that, and I've heard it's been an incredible blessing on both sides. So please do not stay isolated at the house without any human contact. Please call the church office, 912-681-3213. As we move uh, into worship now, we want to focus our hearts and our minds, our spirits on God's presence with us. Um, as I, I share this opening prayer, of course, we offer to God our praise, uh, but we also want to offer to Him our concerns. And uh, there's a prayer that I will read for us um, in connection with our beginning worship uh, that was shared uh, by someone that we greatly respect this week from the conference office. Let us bow our heads and be in time of prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for gathering us in this place and ask that you would bless the worship that we offer to you. We do praise you for your goodness and your mercy. We ask that you would continue to guide us in this very strange time and that you would make your spirit especially known within this worship today. Father, we pray that when we believe that we are merely inconvenienced, that we would remember those whose lives are truly at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or paying their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close remember those who have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips remember those that have no safe place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settled in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love during this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other. Lord, let us find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
years ago when I was a pastor at Wesley United Methodist Church in Macon, Georgia, a man came into the office shortly after we moved there, and he told me, he said, he said, this is where it happened. And I said, this is where what happened? And he said, this is where I gave my heart to the Lord. And I said, tell me about this. He said, that's why I'm here. Uh, he said that I, I had come to a place in my life that was very dark and very cold. He said, and I came and spoke to the pastor who was uh, at the church at that time. He said, I knelt down and I gave my heart to God. He said, it was the instantaneous relief that I needed a change in my life. He said, in fact, he said, when I came into this place, in my mind, it was winter. And when I left, it was spring. Uh, what a dramatic change God wishes to bring into our lives. And what a powerful thought it is uh, to think about this man who truly had felt that. It may be that you're thinking of your own experience. Uh, it may be that you have had a very similar experience to this man, or it may be that your experience was a very gradual rather than dramatic in this way. I think it's important for us to remember that God works in, in so many ways in order to bring us toward him. Uh, one preacher uh, I have heard before say on any number of occasions, are you trying to get to heaven? Well, let me tell you, the reality is that heaven is trying to get to you. What a powerful thought to think about how we as uh, God's children are not simply in pursuit of him. He is in pursuit of us. You remember the story, of course, of the Apostle Paul on that road to Damascus when he was blinded by heavenly light. And there in the midst of that moment in which God was speaking to him and asking, why are you persecuting me? And he responded, who are you? His spirit was being transformed. In fact, as you follow that story, as it unfolds in the writings of Acts 9 and 10 and 11, as you follow that story, you can see that the Apostle Paul's life was completely rearranged. He saw the world differently, and particularly the people around him differently. I love the story of Thomas Merton, who is an American Trappist monk, who took residence up in Kentucky at Gethsemane Abbey, uh, a monastery there. Uh, this was back in the 1950s, early 1950s. It was the occasion that he went to Louisville, Kentucky on some little mission uh, that he was on to get something for, uh, I think, for the Abbey. And as he was there, uh, he writes in his journal uh, these words. He said, in Louisville, at the corner of Fourth and Walnut, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people, that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world. This sense of liberation, he went on to say, from an illusory difference was such a relief 
and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being man, a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate. As if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me, now that I realize what we all are, and if only everybody could realize this, but it cannot be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around, shining like the sun. What a transformation Thomas Merton had in his life. And this is what conversion is about. It is in our life, and it is in those to whom God wishes to spill his heaven upon. God's conversion helps us to see with the eyes of Christ. In his letters to Paul, the occasions are very few that he focuses on his own conversion. He spends all of that valuable time communicating with the early church about the very nature of who Christ is and what Christ is up to. The passage of Scripture that is before us today is taken from uh, the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Can you sense a little bit of heaven in those words that Paul was speaking? It's so very clear what he's referring to when he says a human point of view. He's remembering the way in which he looked at all of humanity with such judgment. How especially he looked at the early Christians wishing that they simply would disappear. In fact, he was doing everything that he could to make that happen. And yet when Christ came into his life, all of this was set in right order. For it took away all of the suspicion, all of the fear, all of the judgment. Even those places in which you and I sometimes find ourselves not even to see each other. We are invisible to each other if we are not looking through the eyes of Christ. We believe that people are inconsequential without Christ living within our hearts. If you love those who love you, Jesus said in his first sermon, if you love those who loved you, then you're only doing what the rest of all the other sinners in the world find in common.
But I am calling you to even love those who you would refer to as your enemies. This is a different way of seeing people. One of the things that our church council is encouraging our church to think about is seeing all the people. We didn't come up with those words. It's Junius Dodson, another United Methodist pastor in this denomination. But we like the idea. In fact, we recently had a neighborhood walk in order that we would have our eyes open to those that are very near us here on this property. God in Christ, Paul said, gave us this ministry. The question is, will we rise to the occasion? It has been entrusted to us, he said. We are God's ambassadors. In fact, it says in the scripture, when we might be thinking he's talking about us, look at it very closely because he does not say that he looks beyond our trespasses. It says here, not counting their trespasses against him. If God has a love for those who are in our community, should we not also give our lives as ambassadors to this cause. Ours, he said, is the message of reconciliation between God and all people. You know the story of John Wesley, I'm sure. As he came to found the movement that he called Methodism as a young man, when he was 32 years old, he journeyed across the Atlantic Ocean with General Oglethorpe, who was settling uh, this land upon which we uh, are located uh, for the purposes of the extension of, of England. And uh, as he did that, he uh, hired John Wesley to come with him to be the chaplain of Savannah. And John Wesley eagerly accepted that offer. In fact, John Wesley had another purpose in mind when he came because he was interested in reaching out to share the good news of Christ with those who were Native American on this shore. He came, and yet it was a very difficult journey. Uh, on the way, hurricane-force winds were almost enveloping the boat upon which he sailed. Uh, there were other Christians that were on the boat, uh, German Christians, uh, Moravian in their faith, that were journeying on the boat. And John Wesley observed something that was very interesting. As they came and the boat was almost covered with water, the waves leaping up over the sides and tearing the main mast in two, he said all of the English, including himself, were afraid for their lives and were screaming and hollering at the event of this storm. But he said the Moravians that he was observing, even the youngest children, were gathered in a circle, holding hands and singing unto God. He was mesmerized by what was going on in their life. When he came to America, his time here was very difficult. And he went back a discouraged man. When he arrived back in London, and a Moravian by the name of Peter Bowler engaged him in conversation. And he shared, John Wesley did, that he was at the point of giving up his preaching. And Peter Bowler 
looked in the eyes of John Wesley and said, Oh, no. With great wisdom, Peter Bowler said to him, Preach faith until you have faith. And then because you have faith, you will preach faith. Now, he did not say this to John Wesley in order that he in any way would be inauthentic in his sharing of the gospel. But he knew a secret that you and I need to know. And that is that the more we tell others of our love for Jesus Christ, the more it will take hold of who we are and it will allow heaven to spill into their lives. What a powerful message this is. One of the five essential practices of the Christian life. We remember worship. We remember study, especially in small groups. We remember together the importance of our serving by giving our life to do things for others. We remember the importance of giving, but today we remember the importance of sharing our faith. We are ambassadors for Christ. As we continue with worship, let me ask that Jay would share some words of reflection on this matter as well. Thank you, Bill. We're in a series called The Walk. Now, if you've noticed, we haven't deviated from this series, even though things in the world have changed so drastically since we first began. The reason why we haven't deviated from this series is because we believe that a closer walk with God was important before COVID-19. We also believe that a closer walk with God is important during COVID-19, and we believe that a closer walk with God will be important long after COVID-19 is in our history books. We talked about how to become closer to God over the past few weeks, and the first way was through worship, letting our hearts respond to who God is and doing that corporately together or doing that as individuals, we become closer to Him. We also talked about uh, getting closer to God through study as we begin to read scripture and we begin to see God's character in scripture and see how faithful he's been to humankind down through the ages our faith is is bolstered but not only that the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate passages and they begin to apply to right where we're at right in our circumstance and we begin to see that God is real and he still speaks to us and we become closer to God we also become closer to God as as we um, as we embark on gratitude-based uh, service, as we begin to understand that, that God took on the form of a servant in Jesus and came and served mankind, and as we begin to humble ourselves and serve our fellow man, that we can become closer to God in that way. We also talked about becoming closer to God in gratitude-based giving. As we uh, take stock of all the ways that God has been generous to us and, and we begin to share of the bounty that he's given uh, with people that are in need and also with the church uh, so that people may know and people may experience the goodness of God themselves, we can get closer to him. This morning we're going to be talking about growing closer to God and sharing. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly viewpoint. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There was a girl that was in the kitchen with her mom, and she paused, and she looked at her mom, and she said, Mom, where did all those gray hairs come from? And her mom shot her a look and said, Every one of these gray hairs has your name on it. If it weren't for your rebellion, I would still be a, a raven-haired beauty. The girl paused and thought for a second. She said, Mom, Grandma's hair is snow white. You must have been a really bad kid. Isn't that like us? We like to find somebody that is worse than we are. We like to, to take somebody that is, their offenses are more offensive than ours or, or their sin is more blatant than ours. And we like to compare ourselves so that we can justify ourselves. This is a worldly point of view. Not only do we like to compare ourselves morally to one another so that we can feel justified, we also uh, like to compare ourselves in value to one another. And I hate to say it, but I've been guilty. When I was a teacher, I got the opportunity to go to this lecture of this world-renowned scientist. He had won all kinds of awards. He had made all kinds of contributions to his, his um, his science and and uh, and he was known as, as one of the greatest minds of our time and, and I was going to get to hear him speak and so I put on my my most professional finery and I, I drove to Augusta to the auditorium and I walked into the lobby and there a crowd was beginning to gather and and I began to hobnob and chit chat as I do and but there was this one guy that was there that just didn't seem like he he didn't seem like he fit he had long hair and wore overalls and and he was kind of disheveled and and bless his heart when he spoke his southern accent was deeper and slower than mine and i was thinking to myself what are you doing here well time passed and the doors opened and we all filed into the auditorium and i looked around to find my buddy that i had been chit-chatting with in the lobby and i couldn't find him i figured he'd probably go home to feed the chickens well the light came on the stage and the speaker for the night stepped to the podium and lo and behold, it was my buddy from the lobby. I had compared my value to his based on his Southern accent and based on his clothes. And I was so off base. Paul said that he had judged Jesus this way. He said that he had judged Jesus in a, in a way that, that was after a worldly point of view. And can't you just imagine Paul going, yeah, who is this small-town carpenter, self-appointed rabbi to tell me, a well-known, well-respected Pharisee, anything about God? Not only did he discount Jesus, he had also tried to destroy every follower that, that Jesus had. I love the next passage because it says, but we do so no longer. There was a change. I taught science in school and one of my favorite units was on change, chemical change especially. And one of my favorite experiments was to take a test tube and fill it about half full of, of acid and drop magnesium uh, ribbon in it. And, and when I did, it would bubble. But you know, bubbles don't impress middle schoolers. But what they didn't know about the bubbles was this, is that the bubbles were hydrogen bubbles. So I would take a match and I would light the match and I would put it over the mouth of the test tube and the hydrogen would ignite and they would explode and you'd hear a, a, a characteristic whoop and all the kids loved it. 
And it sounded just like that. And, and so I would not do it just one time a class. I would do it four and five times a class. And I'm sure that it absolutely irritated my teaching partners to death. But there was an indication that there was a change. And, and Paul was saying that there was an indication that there had been a change in his life. He saw Jesus in a different way. He saw people in a different way. And, and I'll tell you, just like I want to know how the things that you put together to get that reaction of hydrogen... I want to know what you put together to get that reaction that happened in Paul's life, that transformation that happened in Paul's life. And he says it like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. In other words, there's a clear indicator that things are different. Well, what caused it? Well, if you look on down in verse 18, it says, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So it came from God, but what came from God was reconciliation. And reconciliation seems to be what has wrought the change in Paul's life. Now, I looked up the word reconciliation, and it says to reestablish a friendly relationship with. Now, as I was thinking about that, that implies that, that there was a time in the history of humankind that that we did not have a friendly relationship with God. And that's the truth. You remember the story, Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with him. They lived in perfect relationship with God. Uh, they lived dependent on him. They had everything they needed. Everything was at peace. And God said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from this one. Because if you do, it's gonna hurt you. Honestly, the Bible says, you'll surely die. Well, you know the story, uh, Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and became unholy. Well, what they didn't know is that their unholiness made relationship with the holy God impossible. So mankind became cut off from God. Now, if I was God, this is what I would do. I would have hit a button and we would have uh, had a do-over. I would have started over. I would have had, um, you know... Debbie and Frank, I don't know. I, there would have been a, a new start, but that's not what God did. God wanted to restore humankind back to himself, including Adam and Eve, and, and, and he began to talk about it. Even in that passage where they fell, he talked about there being a plan in place to restore mankind back to himself. All of the Old Testament is about God saying, hey, listen, there's a time coming where you're gonna be restored. There's a time coming where I, I've got a plan. There's a time coming. And you know that we talk about all this is coming from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So this is what I want you to hear this morning is this, is the God that created the universe, the God created everything that you ever have known, the God that created everything you see, hear, smell, and touch, the God that is beyond imagining wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to build you up. He wants to correct you. He wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to do everything that you do with a person in relationship. Now listen, I understand that we're in a situation and circumstance in today's world that we've never been in. And for some of you, it can get really dark. I want you to hear this. God knows where you're at. And he does not want you to go through it alone. He wants to walk with you through it. God had a plan. 
to restore us back to himself because he wants to be in relationship with us. You and I know that that plan's name is Jesus. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, you and I can have a relationship with God. Well, what does it take? Well, in Romans 3.23, it says this. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I believe in order to receive a Savior, you've got to first admit and acknowledge that you need one. And this verse says that for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Do you see the paradigm shift already that's beginning to happen there? Uh, all of a sudden, I am not the elite. All of a sudden, I am not the one with all the answers. All of a sudden, I, I am along with all of mankind in a fallen state. And I need Jesus. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, before we talked about comparing our value with other people's values, and we, we talked about comparing our morality with other people's morality. We just said that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But then it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. When we began to see sin as a deadly pollutant, as a deadly pollutant in the world that God created, it is what brought death here. And we begin to understand that we have taken part in the pollution. Then we understand the fact that we're not holy and that God is and that we need restoring. We're all in need of Jesus to connect us back to God. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And I know, you, I know you think you know where this is going because it's been a cliche down through church history that, that at this point in time, the preacher comes on and says, if you were to die today, would you awake in heaven or hell? Well, this is what I want to tell you this morning is that the prize in this package is not a place. The prize in this pas passage is not heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to go to hell either. But that's not what this passage is all about. This passage says that the prize here is reconciliation with God. Do you understand? If you're just waiting to die and go to heaven to be with God, then you're missing out on the best part of existence. And that is what it means to have a relationship with him right here, right now, right where you're at. God wants to be with you now. God wants to talk with you, encourage you, build you up. Correct you, perfect you, transform you. Don't you understand God wants to be in your life now? A lot of people have, have acknowledged the fact that they were sinners and they have accepted the fact that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and they've checked it off like it's done. Well, that's leaving the icing on the cake and, and, and not getting the good stuff. The good stuff is the relationship with God. Because in relationship with God, we begin to see how good he is. We begin to see how faithful he is. We begin to see how right he is. We begin to see how wonderful he is. And as a result, our hearts begin to respond. It gets good to us. It gets good to us. Now the scripture goes on to say, and he's committed to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I want to say this. By nature, human beings share two things. 
things that are really good and things that are really bad. If something really bad happens, let me tell you something, it's gonna like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, it's gonna it's gonna light them all up. I guarantee you people will be talking about it in the break room. If something bad happens, everybody's gonna hear about it. Human beings like to talk about things that are bad. Not only do the human beings like to talk about things that are bad, human beings love to talk about things that are good. You let a new restaurant open in town, and I will tell you, they don't have to put a commercial on TV, they don't have to put it on the radio. All they have to do is, is feed people and then find it good, and everybody will know about it because we naturally share what is good. So we share the things that are good and we share the things that are bad. You know what we don't share? We don't share the things that are irrelevant. We don't. You hear it, it really doesn't affect you, doesn't affect anybody you know. We don't share that. What I want you to hear is this morning, if you're in Christ, and you've embarked on a relationship with God and you're beginning to taste what he's all about and who he, is, who he is and it gets good to you, you'll share it. And as you begin to share it, the more and more blessed you'll be by it. But furthermore, if you're in a relationship with God, he's going to talk to you and he's often going to bring up things that are important to him. You and everyone else that needs him. That's what's important to him. The man had two children, a son and a daughter. The son loved him very much. They were older. The son loved him very much and came to visit him and talk with him. But the daughter had left home and never returned, didn't call, didn't write. The son would come over to visit and the dad would hug him and love him and, you know, tell him that he was proud of him and, and, and have a wonderful relationship with him. But every time when the son started to leave, the dad would look at the son and say, hey, tell your sister that I love her and I miss her. If you've tuned in with us this morning and you're not reconciled to God, I want you to hear this. God loves you and he misses you. He doesn't want you to live through this by yourself. He doesn't want you to shoulder the weight of sin on your own. He doesn't want you to have to deal with these fears totally in your own power. He doesn't want you to have to deal with the darkness without seeing the light. Be reconciled to God. Now, if you're here this morning and you have a relationship with God and he talks to you and you talk to him, I want you to hear this. There's a passage in, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, in, in chapter 12, verse 11. And it says, they overcome evil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Y'all know that the days are evil. There's a lot of things that are going on right now. And, and I just want to tell you that, that I want you to stand firm in the fact that, that you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. 
that you're in right relationship with God. And, and anytime that he speaks to you, anytime he encourages you, anytime he corrects you, anytime you witness anything of God, what I want you to do is I want you to share it. Because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. As we begin to share what God has done for us, the Bible says we overcome. We can overcome darkness. We can overcome fear. We can overcome the evil of the day. And I'm going to tell you, it is just by sharing what we see and know and what we've witnessed in God. We want to draw closer to God this morning. Be reconciled to him in Christ. If you're already reconciled to him in Christ, then please take advantage of the relationship. Listen to him. Walk with him. Talk with him. And from the fruit of that, begin to share what God is doing and what God is saying and what you're seeing. And as you do, I promise, you'll be closer to him. God, thank you so much for making a way for us. Thank you so much for reconciling us back to yourself. Father God, for, for your grace and your mercy, the forgiveness of our sin, but more than anything else, thank you so much for wanting to have a relationship with us. Father, I pray today that we all take advantage of that relationship, that we see you in your goodness and your grace and your mercy and all the characteristics that are in you, Father God. I pray that as we do, that it gets good to us, Father. And I pray that, that naturally we just begin to share of your goodness, Lord. So that the world may know that there's a place of peace, that there's a place of hope, that there's a place of joy, and it's found in you. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.
promising of the goodness of God.